My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 64, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 14, Deuteronomy 14, and Psalm 96. Numbers 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voice and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people out from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people, and that you, Lord, have seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, The Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. He promised them on oath, so he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Now, may the Lord's strength be displayed, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them, as you have asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of these who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valley, turn back tomorrow and set out towards the desert along the route to the Red Sea. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In the wilderness your bodies will fall, every one of you, twenty years older or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. 
Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in, in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in the wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land, who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men, who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land, were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord." Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh survived. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, Now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. But Moses, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up, because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies, for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. Deuteronomy 14 You are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves or shave the front of your heads for the dead, for you are a people holy of the Lord your God. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Do not eat any detestable things. These are the animals you may eat, the ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. You may eat any animal that has divided hoof and that chews the cud. However, of those that chew the cud or that have a divided hoof, you may not eat the camel, the rabbit, or the hyrax. Although they chew the cud, they do not have a divided hoof. They are ceremonially unclean for you. The pig is also unclean. Although it is divided hoof, it does not chew the cud. You are not to eat their meat or touch their carcasses. Of all the creatures living in the water, you may eat any that have fins and scales, but anything that does not have fins and scales, you may not eat. For you, it is unclean. You may eat any clean bird, but these you may not eat, the eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, the black kite, any kind of falcon, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, and any kind of hawk, the little owl, the great owl, and the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the cormorant, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All flying insects are unclean to you. Do not eat them, but any winged creature that is clean you may eat. Do not eat anything you find already dead. You may give it to a foreigner residing in any of your towns, and they may eat it, or you may sell it to any other foreigner. But you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herd, and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant 
and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away. Then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns for they have not allotted or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come in and eat and be satisfied. And so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with iniquity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the seas resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. So numbers started with a readiness process as God was preparing the Israelites to leave Mount Sinai for the trip through the wilderness to the promised land. Then the story shifted to road trips, complaints, and rebellion. It started with a shift in focus from purpose to pleasure. Discomfort and likely uncertainty regarding the unknown was their undoing. It's interesting how we as Americans and in our culture, we have this similar conflict, I think. Any form of discomfort seems to be a point of focus, and we immediately try to seek comfort and pleasure, like it's like a master problem. I don't think I'm saying that pleasure is a problem, but when it shifts our focus from purpose, I think it's dislocated. Because I've worked in the makeup industry, which is a sibling to the skincare industry, I find it interesting that micro-injuries to the skin, like exfoliation or laser treatments, actually force regeneration and renewal of the skin, which helps it to become radiant. I think this is also kind of similar if you've ever learned a sport or practiced or learned a new instrument. Oftentimes, there are some micro injuries or muscles stretching and reforming that can be very uncomfortable in the process of getting stronger and better. I wonder if micro injuries or some discomfort is actually a part of the process. So instead of trying to fix every negative emotion or thought, what if we acknowledge it and its discomfort, but we did not shift our focus away from the purpose to alleviate it? What if we communicated how we were feeling to God and asked for his wisdom and discernment regarding the right response? He continually provides for his people in the story, and he wants us to talk to him. In this story of numbers, after the road trip complaints, it moves to exploration missions. Some call it spy missions, with sampling and reporting 
on the promised land back to the people. And of course, there is also a rebellion where the spies are communicating a message of like doom and failure, this bad report with, without the deference to God's faithfulness to deliver on his promise. Consider how God had just rescued his people from an incredibly strong Pharaoh. Why is there doubt now? But before I judge, I consider how this looks in my life. What do I think is too hard that I know God is calling me to do, not do, or do in a specific way? How can I reflect on all of God's signs and wonders and remember that nothing is impossible with God? I don't want to get to a place like the people did in Numbers 14, 1 through 3, where they would rather die in the wilderness they know than go where God is leading and promising provision and a future. Hmm, so much to reflect on there. Marty Solomon and Brett Billings, as well as Dr. Sandra Richter, describes Deuteronomy as a focus on remembering our stories, our God, His way, Him alone, and the place where His will, He will place His name and dwell. Remember, Deuteronomy is a series of speeches by Moses to the next generation after the Exodus generation. Deuteronomy reminds me of a focus of Dr. N.T. Wright with Premier's Unbelievable Christian Radio podcast. I think it was in May 2021. They had a conference that focused on how to tell the greatest story ever told to the next generation. The scripture doesn't change. It's the truth. But we have to remember that we're all learning and talking about it. There's an opportunity to mature and refine how we talk about it and how it applies in today's landscape. This seems to be what Moses is doing in Deuteronomy as he expands on the law and doubles down on important aspects of Shema, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, actively listening and responding, remembering because this is the most important preventative measure to avoid the drift, leaning into God's word with gratitude and remembrance for the story actually guards our hearts. The unbelief in numbers led to despising God. The four most influential leaders, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb, try to appeal to the people. But Dr. Gary Miller describes how Moses intercedes and appeals to God's reputation and God's character. We again see that God is just and merciful in his response. The initiators of the rebellion are put to death, but the people are spared. However, the people are not allowed to enter the promised land. That will have to wait until the next generation. There is a tension between justice and mercy. The inheritance, the relationship, the promises remain, but there is a cost to rebellion. Then the end of Numbers 14, the lament, which makes sense, turns to taking the blessing, another rebellion. The very people that said it was impossible to take the promised land and they would rather die in the wilderness, which is exactly what God gave them over to, their desires. Now, when God said you will not enter it, they try and take it. This ends in disaster. Deuteronomy 14 is also a story of what now? When you enter the promised land as God's treasured possession, now what? Distinctiveness is the point of this part of the story. Again, because of my background in marketing and branding, this concept resonates. The importance of distinctiveness the way they're living and they're living how God created us in a land that's filled with all different kinds of people that often worship other kinds of gods. But his way is the only way that leads to flourishing on a level that's unsurpassable. And this story, distinctiveness had to do with fashion, beauty, and death rituals, as well as eating rituals. Most biblical scholars consider these specific calls to action in the way they contrast to other local customs of people groups related to like the Canaanites. We've read a few times how they are not to eat goat cooked in their, its mother's milk. 
which the Jewish people even today often practice by separating milk from meat in their cooking and in their kitchen setups. In addition to distinctiveness from other local cultures that worship other gods in their own ways, the story is reminding the people of the rhythm of a covenantal life. I think it speaks back to Genesis 1 and 2 in creation care and community stewardship. More on this next time. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.